0: Welcome into another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball, where we find the best tools to build the best players. Currently, the last week of the minor league season. Um, it's it's crazy how much time has flown by, and I'm so grateful that I was able to experience um, experience this year, experience this season. That I was able to meet so many players, and hopefully, help um, a good amount of them. and Coaches, staff, everyone's been incredible. So, so grateful, and I'm um, looking forward to the off season. It's going to be a lot of fun back in Cincinnati, working with players um, of all ages and skill levels. Um, I, I really, I've always enjoyed that, and I think I always will enjoy doing that too. On this episode, we have Caleb Longley. Caleb is currently the hitting and pitching development coordinator at the University of Texas. Previously, he was the Director of Hitting Development and Analytics at Arizona State University. He also has his own company called Marv Training. They have band resistance bands for pitching, hitting. Um, they just came out with a new product, which is not just plyo balls, but plyo balls with seams on them. So you can throw with the balls that you throw with for pitchers, whether it be you're throwing to a hitter or you're throwing for arm care, velocity. They now have seams on the plyo balls, I haven't seen that anywhere else except um, at Marv Training, and so I, th- I thought it would be really cool to get Caleb on the show and talk about you know, what his experience so far is like at the University of Texas and what his day-to-day looks like, but also the business side of Marv Training, too, and how he got started in it and what are some of the things that, that caught him off guard when he started this business. So it's a great episode. Be, um, I, I I mean I guess I always think every episode's a great episode of mine but I enjoyed this episode because we not only talked player development we talked a little bit about, about business in baseball too and and what it's like running a business and dealing with manufacturers and things like that so um if you're interested in that I would continue to listen to the entire episode cuz it's um it's a good one um if you haven't make sure to go subscribe rate leave a review on iTunes greatly appreciate that and if you want to check out Caleb's website, it is marvtraining.com. Ladies and gentlemen, here is my guest, Caleb Longley. All right, Caleb, we're now live. Uh, appreciate you coming on the show, man. Yeah, Patrick, I appreciate you having me. So you're, I know now this is just you know pretty new, but you're the uh, the hitting and, and pitching development coordinator um, at the University of Texas. A, congratulations, and B, like how did this all come about? And then eventually, like I, I want to know like exactly what that job entails.
1: You know, it's it's kind of funny how everything worked out because when I was at Arizona State this past season, we played in the regional in Austin at the stadium and. Just the atmosphere there, the fan support, how the team played. Uh, it's definitely something I had my eye on. And, of course, the position wasn't even open yet. But I remember when their top arm from last year, Ty Madden, walked out on the mound and his walk-up song was the Highwaymen and the whole stadium was singing it. And just that atmosphere it was something I knew I wanted to be a part of. So whenever it was later on in the summer, whenever I saw the job posting, I – to hop on as quick as possible just to make sure I had a chance. And um, luckily
0: everything worked out. So what, what exactly, I know it's pitching, it's a little bit of hitting. I mean, like what, what are you doing on a day to day basis and I guess like what's your vision for, for the job? So I've always been an offensive guy. Uh, the title at Arizona state was um,
1: director of hitting development and analytics. And, On the analytics side for me at ASU, it was more about scouting and it was more about learning what the pitchers were trying to do to us and how we can combat that. So I really dove into the pitching analytics to really learn what they're trying to do and how we could combat that from the offensive side. So I ended up learning a ton about the pitching side just from that aspect from the scouting side and previously in the past. I've worked with quarterbacks and the throwing motion, mechanics, lower body stuff, sequence. So whenever they asked me what my experience was doing pitching, I was able to give them a little background. But here in the past three weeks, as long as I've been at Texas, it's been a full-time job because I've been as many bullpens I can see, um, definitely with the offense, um, a lot of video analysis from both sides, I've got a great team of nine video and analytic associates that are working under me, and um, those guys do a great job with getting the information out, the track man, the Rapsodos. We're doing a crazy video system with our offense. Every swing they take in practice has been videoed so far, and I'm kind of that middleman. So I'll take a look at that video, whether it's a side view of a pitcher or whether it's every view of the hitters we get and I'll break it down and I'll see how we can improve those guys. And I'll provide a drill to the other assistant coaches and um, relay that information how we can get that just 1% better. Um, I really enjoy working with the elite guys. And um, that's something that I've had the privilege of doing in the past, but these guys are definitely hungry for that 1% to get, to get better so it makes my job a lot easier knowing that they they'll look at anything just to get over that hump
0: so are you allowed to be on field coaching too or is it just you just really just interacting mainly with the coaches and then just relaying information of of what you think they should implement
1: relaying information i'm on the field i'm observing taking notes reviewing the video um i'll be in pants on game day but Directly A to B coaching, um, as of right now, um, isn't allowed by the NCAA. But from what I'm hearing, um, there's going to be a huge rules review here in the next couple of months. So I'm hoping that something will be able to open up, whether it's um, other members on staff can slide into more of a manager role where it's throwing BP, Fungo. Apparently, that's going to be under review. And just like anything with NCAA, I think it'll come from what happens with football and it'll eventually trickle down. But from everything I've been hearing, those rules
0: are going to be under examination
1: the next couple of months. So I'm curious to see where that goes.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that could definitely be big for you. I mean, be able to be on the field, like you said, throwing BP, working with some of the guys. I mean, that's that that would be huge. What I mean, what's your take so far? I know you, you I'm sure football as football started for you guys yet. We've been in individuals
1: and we've got another week and a half left of those. And then we'll move straight into fall ball officially.
0: So you've been at Arizona state. I mean, we had Michael early on the show. He's awesome. I know you guys did a great job out there from um, hitting side. I mean, what are you seeing so far from the fall season? Is there certain things that, that you've seen that maybe you have never even really thought about implementing in the past, or is there anything like that, that, um, has been eye-opening for you first off you mentioned Michael Early I owe everything
1: in life to Michael Early just for believing in me taking a chance on me at Arizona State when I haven't had any baseball coaching experience in the past um, he really gave me a lot of validity with those guys in the offense at ASU so I couldn't be more grateful for our relationship and um you know we talk every day still and it's funny we ended up he's right down the road at one of our biggest rivals at AM it's kind of funny how things worked out but yeah we're only a couple hours away so I'm sure we'll get together on some non-rivalry weekends and get together but um so the environment um at Texas is a little bit different it's very intense and um Starts at the top with Coach Pierce. He lays everything out um, standards-wise with the guys. And, uh, you know, it's not like I'm walking in here to a team that's 500, you know, trying to find a winning formula. These guys were in the College World Series last year. Probably going to be top three in the country preseason, uh, if not number one. So I'm walking into a good mix. But – after after Coach Pierce, it goes down. The uh, recruiting coordinator and assistant coach Sean Allen was the 2021 Assistant Coach of the Year. Uh, made the switch from um, from the hitting side over to the pitching side. Um, Philip Miller, who's been around those two guys, really sets a tone uh, with energy within the program. Builds really a creative atmosphere but I can't really say enough good things about Troy Tulewitzki. Um Everyone knows who Tulo is. They know um, the intensity he played with on the field. They know how good of a player he was. They know he probably knows the stuff, can talk through past experiences. But if you ask me, all that stuff is great and helps, but unless you're able to translate that as a coach, it's kind of useless. But I've learned quick that, as good of a player as he was and he might be an even better coach the way he can communicate with guys, hold them accountable, get the best out of them. Um, it's really, it's really special to watch.
0: Yeah. two zero. it was incredible to watch as a fan. I mean, is does he ever just for fun, just go on the field and just hit some BP and just drop some bombs?
1: So it's, it's something that, um, It's something that's almost planned into practice. And I I don't think, you know, and it's one of those things, like if you think back and you think of like coaches, kids growing up, uh, being around a reason why most coaches, kids are good is because they've got to watch good players their whole life. And at our level, it's hard to really find a player. These guys can look up to and see how the work should be done. Um, but we've got that guy on staff. So every opportunity we get for him to show um, how the work should be done, we're trying to take advantage of that opportunity. And it's, it's mainly more about seeing his effort level in around the batting practice. And it's not, you know, play home run derby. It's work on different things. Feel on the backside, he's just so good at setting an example for the guys. It's it's something that every program should strive to have, and <laughs> a lot of them don't have the luxury that we have from that aspect.
0: Yeah, I'm sure every program would love to have um, an all-star shortstop in Tulowitzky every day at <laughs> practice working with their guys. But you mentioned something that um, I, I wanted to touch on. You, you talked about how good of a communicator – he was and was able to, to translate you know what he felt into actual coaching and i think that's something that you know we talk a lot about mechanics we talk a lot about just data analytics but interpersonal communication coaching communication is is so vital um what have been some ways that, that you have been able to connect and, and and get players to buy in i know like the the Classic one is like you know you wait for them to fail and they come to you, but that's not always the case. That's that you know that doesn't always happen. So how have you been able to bridge that gap anyway to get them to do what you what you essentially want them to to do? If maybe if they're not on board right away,
1: well, I would say it first starts at the top with
0: Coach Pierce and then Tulo putting me
1: on um, and just giving me the respect early and really valuing my opinion in the coach's room and then letting the guys know this came from me or whatever. And then secondly, it just goes to building that relationship. And it's I've got to connect with so many guys early just because our guys are always at the field getting there early, wanting to get better, wanting to see their video, wanting to go over some numbers. So building that relationship. And then fortunately for me, too low ex-big leaguer, five-time all-star, um, telling the guys, like, this is good stuff. You know, this is a league level. So, him, him doing that has put me in a great position.
0: What, what are some of the, the things that you're looking into right now, just from, like, a, a pitching standpoint? Because I know you had a hitting background. Um, you, it sounded like you did some scouting um, at Arizona State and maybe looking at some more pitching there. But uh, is that something that maybe you're having to spend more time just learning and researching because your background's hitting and and not pitching.
1: So it's kind of funny, the chain of command and I'm learning from two great pitching coaches in coach Pierce and coach Sean Allen, who both started off and both played as, as hitting guys. So that's the two guys I'm learning from. So they're really helping to bridge that gap. But what, what I did is the same way I learned hitting movements, the same way I learned, Quarterback stuff. I really got in and I watched what the elite guys did: um, Garrett Cole, Scherzer, Degrom. Watching those guys, how they move, just over and over, and then finally, I'll say this: it was a lot easier learning this go around because it's so similar to the other movements. Like w- once you learn the like what looks good from a hitter, a quarterback. Now we add in the mound and um, a little bit different of a timing because you you do have a lot more control of the timing uh, on the mound. You add those two aspects in um, and the uh, a couple of things with the arm, and it's pretty much very similar to hitting. So this go around hasn't been near as hard because I already had a really good base to start with. But from that aspect, ton of ton of video from the front, from the side, rear, and I'm still learning, um, helping these guys as much as I can, whether it's what pitch they should go and what pitch they should pair with, whether it's improving a movement pattern, whether it's finding a more consistent release point, just however we can do it. um, And there's definitely been different challenges and different ways to go about each one of those things.
0: What were you doing uh, working with quarterbacks? When was that? So back in back before I went to Arizona State,
1: I was doing draft prep and working with some of the top guys um, in the NFL and around college football. Um, And it's basically the same thing. I was working with renowned quarterback coach Quincy Avery and all of his guys. And it was movement efficiency, movement patterns and working with quarterbacks is so much fun. And it, I thought it was easy because throwing to me was a more natural movement than hitting. And, um, there is a little bit of a timing aspect, um, difference between pitching and football quarterback, because some, some routes are definitely timing routes. And then some routes in football, um, you've got to make reads and you don't necessarily control the timing. So, Working with football guys was really fun. There's also several different throws. It's not just throwing from the pocket or, like, the rubber. There's throws on the run, um, left, right, up, back. And uh, it was really fun. And I, I still, every now and then, do some consulting for some NFL guys and everything like that, just going over video, arm care routines. And, uh, and I love the quarterback space, and it was great, but – When I got back on the diamond, I had to quit working with uh, the other college guys just because I was NCAA rules. I couldn't work with guys at other colleges, um, throwing-wise. But um, in 19, I did draft prep with Haskins. And then I would say the biggest difference I I helped was Jalen Hurts in 20. That's huge in 20 Hertz was supposed to be, I think a fifth or sixth rounder. We took him through and he ended up going second round. And, uh, and so we had to really do a lot with him and not saying he had a bad college career at all, but he was, he's so gifted he was able to get away with a lot in college. And he's a guy that wanted to really know every in and out while we were doing every drill, um, wanted to really understand it. And, uh, he will definitely make you a better coach, and uh, he really understood what he needed to do to be more efficient, and it's really paid off for him.
0: I think that's that's a really cool um, experience that you were able to have, and I'm, I'm sure that's helped you as a baseball coach, being able to work with other high level athletes in you know in the NFL. I'm sure there's, there's a lot of thing a lot of similarities between, you know, high level baseball players. I mean, high level athletes are just high level athletes. So, um, I think that's, that's pretty cool. And and I'm sure it's, it's helped you, um, in the coaching realm in baseball. Now, do you give like, um, have have you ever like opened up your own training facility? Have you ever like worked with players individually in, in, in the past? So when I got done
1: playing in 18, I went straight in and I opened up a player development business in Nashville with my old college roommate, Blake Rowlett. Um, He's now the head coach of a post-grad school in Scottsdale, Um, living the life. And we were able to connect a lot when I was back in Arizona. So it was good to kind of touch base with him and pick his brain on a lot of stuff. Um, But we, we opened that business up and we were young and stupid and, did a lot of things right and did even more things wrong. But at the end of the day, we both learned a ton from it. And uh, the things with the quarterback started to heat up for me. So he eventually took the whole business over and then got into coaching himself. And he sold it to uh, a good friend of both of ours, Colburn Vidic, who uh, was a former first-rounder out of Ball State up in right. your area up yeah. there. And he's now the owner and operator of Hit Nashville is the, what it's called and uh he does a great job and it's grown bigger than ever he i think he was able to learn from a lot of our mistakes so uh so they've got their own building now and they're doing great and it was uh, so the idea of it and was we're not just going to give you one lesson for a hundred dollars an hour a week we want to bring you in and i've got a strength conditioning background we, we want to bring you in we want to do the whole thing holistic approach strength conditioning, speed and agility, nutrition plan, arm care, throwing mechanics, hitting mechanics, live ABs. It was an all-inclusive program, but we came in not knowing anybody. And uh, we're trying to sell these big packages. And um, somehow we sold like, I think we sold 33 before we started at like 2,000 apiece for six months. and. Wow. Uh, <laughs> And I can't believe we even pulled that off because I, you know, I was 23, I guess. And wait, I
0: 33 people paid $2,000 up front
1: before we did anything. Jeez. And uh, So, yeah, that's why I'm, in a couple of years, I'm ready to get into recruiting. I'm ready to start that going. If if I can do that and I can get anybody, especially at the university of Texas. So now it, it was crazy. And, uh, Blake's a great recruiter as well. I've I've seen that with his post-grad team. And uh, so we were a team on that. And, yeah, we we got a ton of guys. And it was a lot of work. I lived in the office. Uh, Nashville is still expensive, but at the time, it's extremely expensive. Uh, I guess the year had been 2018, and it was just in that blow-up stage and uh apartments were crazy so I said you know what we're paying so much for rent here at the facility let me just live in the office and got me a blow-up mattress and and uh but I didn't want anybody else to know that I was living at the office so I would get up at like 5 30 and uh I'd stay uh, I wasn't getting much sleep and it was a full-time job everything from writing all these development programs out for every single athlete to cleaning the toilets it was a experience I learned a ton from it how long did you do that for again I did that for the six months everyone signed up and they we signed up a ton of new guys for the next six months but for me I was ready to uh, get into more of the quarterback thing and that's when Marv was just kind of getting going and and, um, so I let I let Blake have it and then eventually he like I said he got the coaching job himself so he sold
0: it to Colburn and now it's better than ever so what's the what's the marv take me through the like the how did how did i go about i know you do i know you you know you have the background in, in, in baseball and quarterback and and arm care and hitting and everything so um you know i've used your marv training products before even with with some of the guys that i work with with the orioles but what um how did the, how did it all come about actually i've never even asked you that so the marv band
1: going back to I guess it would have been early 2019. We, uh, I was having some QBs use some weighted balls and it was something that hadn't been done much in football with quarterbacks. And I had to really cover my tracks and make sure these guys weren't going to get hurt. And we were using J bands. Everyone used J bands. So we're, they're using the wrist straps and I had a couple questions about elbow injuries. Well, I don't want my guy to get hurt. You are gonna cost me, you know, millions of dollars. So I had to come up. I said, and I'm going back, I'm thinking through my training, stuff I did, studied. You really need to grab when you when you're doing arm care. Just like when you're doing push ups, you don't want to do push ups on your elbows. You want to you wanna really get the whole chain involved. Um, so I really wanted a band that you could really get a hold of and uh Do a couple different things with, and it took me back that while I was in Nashville, and this is getting a little crazy here, but while I was in Nashville, I was really into pulling sleds. Westside Barbell. I'm a big Louis Simmons guy. Pulling sleds for conditioning, um, lower half strength, explosiveness. I think it's one of a great movement to do for guys, especially younger kids. I think it's a really great developer. And there was a guy that was trying to sell a sled company in Nashville. So reached out to him said, hey, we're about to buy a few of these things. I might try to buy the company. Long story short, the sled company didn't work out. Um, the product was great margin wise, but after you shipped it, shipping was so much for the sled and it uh, it cut a lot of the profit margin out. So I bought a few off him, but me owning the company didn't work out. But right before we left, he said, hey, I've got this other product. Um, He showed me this handle that had been used in the rehab world. It was very popular in physical therapy for years in the early 2000s. And uh, I looked at it and I was like, that's kind of cool. And it was, it was configured very different than we have it now. The band was through the um, bottom part of the handle. And I thought, this is cool. And then I played with it a little bit, and it was okay. But didn't really think anything more about it. And uh, when it came up where I needed a handle, I thought, let me call this guy back up. And I dug through my closet, found those handles, um, luckily, And I played with it, played with it. and I configured it a little bit different way than they'd done it in the past and made it a little bit more accessible, especially for um, throwing athletes. And so I called called Lee Speaker up, who's a mentor of mine on the business side, who's been in the game for a long time, very popular with – he had the buns of steel videos in the 80s. And uh, so he's been a great resource for me to learn from and – Um, I called Lee up and said, Lee, I I need I need a few sets of these with bands on. them." He was able to send them out to me. And uh, those guys loved them. I was training with and then we went to do a elite quarterback camp in Los Angeles later on that spring. And um, I called Lee back up and said, we're going to give a band to every camper. So we need. 200 handles to go and he said well I love what you're doing with it I'm glad the NFL quarterbacks liked them let me just sell you the company and long story short that's how I got into it and uh, went ahead and bought it then and I remember I I bought when I first got the handles Lee Lee only had um, like 250 handles left so it was just enough for the camp and a few more and but he was out of bands for the handle so i had to buy the band from um a a different manufacturer and i had to thread each handle and to, to help it stay i had to pry the end of the band open with a skinny pair of pliers and stick a penny in it so me and my dad um did that before right before i flew to los angeles and it was a uh, it was an experience but the only way for the band to stay in the handle was to have something in the other end and we figured it out by sticking a penny in the other end and it was <laughs> extremely time consuming I bet. i'm glad we don't have to do that anymore i'm glad they can do that at the factory now but uh but yeah that's
0: how marv got going and so hitters use it. Pitchers use it. I mean, what kind of stuff do do hitters do with, with it? Like how I know I've done certain stuff with it, but I want to. I mean, what what have you done with it from a hitting standpoint? So me being a hitting guy, um, I played around with it.
1: And when I was in hit when I was in Nashville at the at the facility, that's the first time I felt that move, right the the backside move, the turn, that smooth entry into the zone. And, but I didn't think anyone else would like it. The kids, I had a couple kids do it. They thought it was stupid. <laughs> so I just kind of forgot about it. Did it with arm care. Next thing you know, on the company, we, uh, I end up playing. This is kind of wild. So we run that company in early spring. And next thing you know, I'm playing independent baseball, which was a waste of my time, but I had it scratch, and I went and did it for a couple months. Why was it a waste of your time? It was, at that point in life um, I'd been out of the game for a full year Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'm I'm lucky I went and did it because I had a, I had a really strong itch that I should have pursued more um, after I didn't get drafted in 18. But everyone says, when you know, it's your time, you'll know it's your time. And I realized when I was there that, Um, God had better things laid out for me with the band business and everything else, rather than chasing that dream. And uh, at the end of the day, like playing was such an extreme passion of mine and as much as I had to work at being good um, coaching is a, is definitely more of a gift. It comes a lot easier to me on the development and the coaching side than it ever did as a player, as a player. And I work hard doing what I do now, but, the player side. I mean, I had to, I had to put it every hour just to be okay. So
0: um, I, I, I wouldn't say out, though, that that was a waste of your time. I think that that was probably important because you, you scratch the itch so you could move on and, and never, never look back again. You that's know what I'm right. That, I agree
1: with that. And I had, I used to have this weird dream where I would always be at the stadium and I'd be walking up to the box and the pitcher would be throwing strikes it's like bases loaded tie game or whatever. And I'm up and he's throwing pitches like right in the middle. And I just can't swing, can't swing. I used to have that nightmare all the time after I've played, I haven't had it since. Mm. So from that aspect, yes, um, it was, it was good. No, for sure.
0: I mean, I, I look back at my own life. I mean, I'm almost 30 now and I played independent baseball too. When I was until I was 25 years old and, looking back, I was like, I didn't have a chance in hell of doing anything, but I'm so happy. I, I, as you said, scratched the itch and, and I gave it a shot and it was so much fun. And I mean, I was making $57 a week living in a, a you know, I'll on the floor with 12 other guys in a two bedroom apartment. And I mean, it, it was great. It was a lot of fun. I'm so happy I did it. And I mean, yeah, like I was broke and you know, 25, 26 years old, but I think you know. I was able to learn a lot, and more importantly, he's able to move on. And mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't, I don't miss it one bit. I don't know if you're like this too, but I, there is not one day that goes by. Where I'm like, I wish I was still playing because I just I, that part of me has died. Right, I, I agree 100. percent Like
1: I said, I was extremely passionate about playing. Always the hardest worker in every room I was in, but the coaching side comes so much easier to me. I'm definitely more gifted in that. By all means, but back to the thing. I was after I finished up playing. Um, really, the quarterback stuff got hot late that summer, and I hadn't released the bands to the public. I was new business guy. I didn't like the manufacturing process. Took me a little bit to really figure out and um, the distribution of everything. How I was going to get all the products, and then I finally got it figured out. Um, late July and I was doing some stuff with prep baseball report. One of my good friends, Colton Provey, um, just got named the director, um, of PPR for Tennessee. He asked me to help him out with some of the offensive stuff. And I was doing some scouting and he asked me to coach the team Tennessee in, um, the future games, which isn't really much coaching. It's more about just throwing BP and, um, making sure everyone gets their ABs, but, um, I was excited. I was in. And then I had a random idea one day. Well, let me see if I can get a kiosk at uh, Lake Point where the tournament was. And they said, yeah, you know, we've got availability. Um, We're actually transferring uh, who controls all the kiosk space and everything. So I was able to get in there and uh, I was able to get a cheap kiosk. But I had no packaging. I, uh, my bands weren't even there yet, had no logo, um, had nothing, didn't know what I was going to call it. And I was going to call it, I was trying to call it D band because the handle's kind of shaped like a D and I called the, uh, I called the handle company that makes it and said, Hey, we need to get that Marv scratched off. I want to put this, this, and this on it. <laughs> and they, uh, I said, all right, that'll be 20,000 and uh, i said you know what marv's not that bad of a name let's go with marv and that's how marv um, got its name i got the trademark on it and we quickly moved into uh, rushing the product there and came up with the logo and i started selling think august 1st of 2019 was my first like official selling to the public day at pbr and we absolutely killed it and it was no nothing for hitting activation it was all arm care stuff and uh, I can't believe how much we were selling which now it's looking back it's nothing crazy but we were selling like 30 to 50 bands a day at $35 and I was coaching and I had I had uh, one of my former teammates, Jackson Greer, down there helping me sell. And when I was coaching, he'd be around the booth. And it was just a wild process of how everything happened. But I was like, you know what? I might have something here. And at that point, we were strictly for arm care. So it is really crazy how uh, how it all came.
0: Yeah, that, that is really crazy. I, I have been to Lake Point before, and I'm sure at least now those kiosks, they can't be cheap. Right to with all those players. I mean, that's like a perfect marketing to be able to, to have access to all those players walking in and out. If I'm thinking of the same thing you are down at Lake Point, being able to have access to all those athletes and, and parents and just to get get everything out and get get the name out. and it's cool that Marv saved by sticking with Marv, it saved you twenty thousand dollars on the name. That's uh that's no joke at all. But what I, I mean, I, I, one of the reasons I love doing this podcast, I never know exactly where the conversation's gonna gonna lead. And now I'm I'm kind of more so curious about the business side of Marv. I mean, how? Not a lot of people, I don't think, realize how hard it is to run a business to to you know make money at it. I mean, what what has been the biggest surprise for you? while running marv since since lake point since that day when when you were down at lake point so (laughs)
1: people try to take advantage of you Mm. that's the biggest thing you don't understand and i've learned that like everyone's lying to you in business it's kind of weird and i'm from east tennessee like that's not how we treat people like everyone's pretty upfront, and like when they say they're going to do something they do it And that's the biggest lesson I had to learn: is most people are lying, talking about manufacturers, distributors. It's crazy to kind of put it in that in that context. But that's the biggest thing I've had to learn: is you've really got to watch out for yourself in business. And uh, it's it's really not personal, but people are always trying to make a dollar off of you, and they're always trying to um, scam you. And it's it's I'm talking big companies too, and um, I'll even say. You said about Lake Point getting there. When I was in Lake Point, those first – it was probably four days. Um, we were in that booth from 7 a.m. for the first game to when the last game ended. I'm talking that was like midnight. I mean, you talk about a full day. We were putting in hours for $125 a day is all it cost me at Lake Point then. And um, let's just say I'm not in Lake Point now because of the pricing. Um, or I would – sell there and maybe you know eventually i can work something out with them where i can get back in there but it was a great experience that one week for sure and uh but yeah just the business side of kind of learning the ins and outs and uh especially when you're dealing with overseas manufacturers um there's loose regulations and
0: you just got to learn how to uh how to navigate those waters yeah. Businesses, I guess, just that business. Um, how did how do you form my like contacts overseas? Like, how'd you, how'd you, I mean, that's, that's something that I'm, I'm curious about. Um, Lee Speaker really helped me. He, uh, so all the
1: band stuff, that's all made in the United States. Um, but my new products, which I'm sure we'll get into here in a little bit, um, like, like the plow care balls. No one really makes those um, in the United States. So I had to go to Lee. like, Hey Lee, how do I deal with somebody in China? <laughs> and uh, so he, he provided me a couple contacts and I was able to navigate it that way. And that's one of the things like now, like if a young business owner had any questions about that, I could definitely steer them the right way. But when you're new, it's a really tough thing to do. It really is. It's because, it's like I said, those, and those people that know you're new are going to try to take advantage of you so they can make an extra dollar. And uh, yeah, it's, it was a tough
0: process at first, but luckily I had some good people to lean on. Yeah. I mean, you're, and you're still pushing through like really strong and, and doing, doing great. I mean, you're in Dick's sporting goods now. Like I was in Cincinnati, Ohio before I left for the season and I walking to Dick's Sporting Guards and there's Marv Training Bands. I mean, that's pretty sweet. Now, the story about Dick's is I want to tell it because it's a good one. And
1: uh, so when baseball got canceled for the minor leaguers in 2020 because of COVID, I was at home in Tennessee back from ASU. We'd already been banged. And uh, I was at a point, we were kind of at, sales were kind of dropping. We had a huge uptick whenever Doug Latta and Craig Hyatt, um, kind of gave, put their stamp of approval on the product for hitting. We had a huge uptick in sales. I so much to Doug and Craig, but, um, that kind of wave died down. COVID hurt us. <sighs> it was just kind of a little stagnant. So I said, you know what, I've got to keep marketing this thing. I got to keep pushing it. And Talk about the independent baseball, what it was like. I said, you know what? I'm going to give a free band for every minor leaguer that wants to reach out. I'll even pay for shipping, which I should have done the shipping thing because this thing got out of hand. But like we, I mean, it was. I think we got close to like 1,500 minor league guys that reached Whoa. out, and uh, I, I know a couple of hitting coordinators were just forwarding the links to their <laughs> to their guys and Hey, you know, we need these, and um, I know there's still a ton hanging around, but but. I'd made the guys give it a retweet or repost on Instagram for a lot of them. And that got the name out a lot, but it got the name out to this one guy in general named Marv Martinez, same as the band M A R V and Marv had, uh, 65 followers on Twitter and his profile picture was just a picture of his kid hitting. And he, uh, sent me a direct message and said, uh, Hey Caleb, um, or, he said hi my name is Marv love the love the idea would love to buy one of your shirts and uh and I said well actually I'm all sold out right now but as soon as I get something in I will let you know and I didn't really think anything of it two weeks later um the bands gained a little momentum from all the minor leaguers and um everything during COVID and I guess Marv had nothing better to do than to get on Twitter and just look around and he asked me if I was ever interested in going into retail. And this is, again, just a guy, no knowledge of who he is. Um, And I said, yes, that's the plan. And at the time I was trying to get into Dunham sports, which I'm sure you're familiar with um, popular in the Midwest. And uh, I was talking back and forth to one of their buyers and it was a very long shot for me to get in there, but I really prepped everything. I had everything laid out why it's good. It's not only good for pitchers, hitters use it too, all players on the field buy it, um, patented handle. It was great and uh, had this huge thing laid out. And so Marv sent that about, hey, are you interested in uh, ever getting into retail? And I said, yes, that's, that's the process I'm working on. And he said, uh, okay, well, send me a little bit of information about the product to this email. And I was like, you know what, (laughs) why not? And so um, I got that email, basically copied it over to him, took the part out about Donald's, just made it neutral. And he responded right back with, that looks great, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Uh, I'll get this to my baseball buyer. Marv Martinez, vice president, Dick Sporting Goods. Are you serious? And uh, that's how that's how the process happened. And uh, so, oh, my gosh, I got put in touch with a baseball buyer. uh, My guy, John at Dick's, who's um, actually recently got promoted. And uh, so great for him. But it was a uh, we we did a trial run in the fall just to kind of just test. I think we'd start off with 50 stores, warmer weather stores where they were still doing baseball stuff. And they absolutely killed it. Um, and then they've reordered. Now I think we're in upwards of 300 stores for Dick's. All their tier ones, for sure. All the really big stores. So that's been great. And uh, I can't appreciate more of enough. That's my guy.
0: So, uh, Marv, it, it I guess the lesson is, even if someone only has 65 followers on Twitter, uh, you, you that's why you always treat everyone the same. Because you just never know who's here. You never who. know. Never know. That's a great story, man. I'm 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 glad you shared that. I I really, really like that. Um, I mean, geez, 300 stores. That's wow. That's that's impressive. I mean, have you ever thought about just stop coaching and doing this full time?
1: Well, that's what I thought I was going to have to do um, at one point this summer because after um, Coach Smith got let go at ASU and I let him know I wasn't coming back if he wasn't there and Mike wasn't there then. Um, it got to the point where there were so many jobs open at one time and I just wasn't getting the opportunity that I wanted and thought I deserved at a, at a big school. And, you know, I, at the, at one point I was, I was content with it. You know, I'll just run Marv. I had all these new products coming out this fall and, um, doing the logistics of that and everything. So that was a definitely a grind this summer, but, um, it wouldn't have been a big deal if I had to um, exclusively run Marv by any means.
0: What are, what are some of the new uh, products you're, that you're, you're coming out with? I saw something on Twitter today. It looked like some papaya ball with seams on it.
1: So the most popular one is going to be that pile ball with seams. And I've been working, these products have been in development for so long. Like I've talked about the process extremely long, but driveline came out with a ball. I guess it's the one they, their most recent one. It had a raised D on it. Um, And I saw that first in October of uh, 20 at ASU or September, October, whenever we got them. And uh, it hit me if they can put their logo on it, why aren't there seams on it? And uh, so I started that process of uh, designing the perfect one, went through several different prototypes along the way some somewhere I had the idea to put a texture on it and when asked what kind of texture I wanted I said let's try to do leather and I sent them a uh, example and the leather texture came back perfect and then we had to play with the seams and the size of the ball um, to get it right and then eventually was able to get those things into production in June and uh had, had a huge delay with um, shipping throughout the process, the resurgence of the COVID spike or whatever, um, delayed shipping for six weeks. And I felt so bad. I had several college coaches and high school coaches that I'm personal friends with or that would call me asking about bands. And I'd sold them the balls knowing they would be in, but it's supposed to be in late July. And uh, they just now got here uh, early September. So, I uh, I've apologized to those guys more times than um, more times you can imagine. I'm definitely going to take care of them in the future, but finally glad to have those balls here. And yeah. It's a, uh, we have a 3.5 ounce, a five ounce, a 7.5 ounce, a one pound and a two pounds, very similar weights to drive line. What everybody uses, we just don't have the four pound basically because most people I see that use plow balls don't use the four pound anyways. It's just so heavy. Um, and then we also, those balls, we also have hitting ones. So for the hitting plyos, uh, um, The
0: hitting plyos have seams on them too.
1: They do. And I, I really like them because you can throw BP with them really good. So
0: that's what I was thinking too, because I throw plyos right now, but there's no seams on them. So it's kind of, you got to grip it a little bit awkwardly to be able to, throw them for a strike at times the the
1: way the texture is. I don't know what makes them aerodynamic or whatever, but the ball stays pretty true to plane. Um, so for hitting, we did strictly five ounces. We're not going heavy balls for hitting. Um, I've seen, and especially with younger kids, I've seen too many kids try to hit the 15 ounce balls, the one pound balls and completely mess their swings up. Um, it's just, they're just not strong enough to do that. And even older, I've even seen, you know, college and pro guys try to hit those. It almost alters their swing because of the heavy object at contact. They're not accelerating through the zone. Um, It becomes more of a left to right um, through. And so we decided to go with just a five ounce hitting ball. And it's a little bit different, but it's a great tool. I think it's going to be great for young kids to use. It's a great ball to learn how to throw and catch with. Um, because it's like a baseball that's got, of course, it's plastic. So it's got a little you can really grab it with their small hands and if they miss it, it's not gonna hurt them. And it's got you can hit it in the yard, limited flight. It's gonna go a little bit, but um most really good hit, most, you know, pro and college guys I've seen hit it, barely get it out of the infield. Um, it comes off, it jumps good and then kind of just dies out. But and there's also, which I know you've used before, the immediate feedback you get from hitting those plyos. If you don't square that thing up, uh, it's not going to go anywhere at all. It's going to just kind of duck out like a poorly thrown football. So it's really great for younger kids to get that immediate feedback.
0: Yeah, they're a ton of fun uh, to throw, to hit. I mean, every I mean everything. I, I know pretty much everyone who hits them loves, loves hitting them. I mean, do you, where where do you see yourself in in five years with with Marv, with you as a coach? I mean, where where's where's your vision at? Where do you see you being in five years with everything? Do you see yourself just being running Marv full time and it getting so big that you can't even do anything else? No, no, no. I, I mean,
1: hopefully it gets that big. But if it does, I'll hire hire people a lot smarter than me um, to run the thing while I. Do what I'm gifted at. And uh the mark thing, I mean, it's business is a lot like me being a player. I'm passionate about it. It's fun. It's great to make the money, but my gift is in coaching. So hopefully in five years, I've um an assistant coach, a hitting coach somewhere um at a big school. That's that'd be my goal, get into recruiting, like I talked about earlier, and then working my way into being a head coach. Um but it's, it's crazy you talk about that, um, the business and the coaching side. My dad, longtime junior college coach in every Hall of Fame he could be in, local legend. Uh, mom ran her own business. Photography still does. So pulling a little bit of each aspect from both of them along the way. But yeah, in five years, and it's getting there already with the new addition of the products. It's, I want it to be I want Marv to be the number one training aid company um, for baseball and softball. And it's not. And the reason why we're not going to make as much money as other companies is because everything that I put out is going to be it's going to make the player better. Like, I could make more money if I sold 8-ounce, 10-ounce, 12-ounce, 15-ounce plyos for hitting, but I don't think that's helping hitters, so I'm not going to do it. And it's not for me. It's not about making a buck from that aspect. If I put it out, I really am going to believe that it's going to make players better. So with with that being said, um, we've got two additional products coming out outside of plyos. Um, we'll probably September 20th, we'll release, um, the Marv band 2.0, which is very, very, uh, interesting. And it's, I've been working on that longer than the Plyos. I was, I got my first shipment of those 2.0s in, um, let's see, probably May of 2020, right during the COVID time. Um, right before I was even into exporting goods I was ready to move on from that first band. I thought the second was going to be so much better and uh, they were completely messed up completely messed up first time dealing with anybody overseas um, did I use the wrong company and um, they sent me samples that were phenomenal ready to go and then COVID happened apparently they changed completely changed staff and those bands are so like the functions fine. It's just, they looked so bad, like straight, like just completely, I wish I had a set with me so I could explain how bad they were, but um, But but yeah. It seems
0: sometimes when I'm, when I'm listening to you talk about it, I feel like I I'm, I'm watching uh, shark tank and someone pitched shark tank and then talk about all the crazy stuff that's happened overseas and with shipping and manufacturing. I mean, uh, is it pretty similar to that? Would you say? I don't know if you've seen that show or not.
1: Oh, yeah, no, it's very similar. It's uh, all the straw, I don't know the numbers as good as those people do. I, I need to. Um, yeah, Mark <laughs> Cuban wouldn't
0: be happy with you if you came out, I know, with numbers or Kevin O'Leary, I guess. Yeah, Mr.
1: Wonderful would That's really right. get on me for not knowing exactly everything. Um, <laughs> I'd have to bring in a piece of paper, I think, if I went on the show just to <laughs> remind me. Um, but yeah, no, and I- so after that, no one. Could take any new orders because of COVID for so long, went through so many different manufacturers to get the product perfect. And it was a process um, and finally got those things rolling. And uh, they'll be in the exporting goods this fall. And uh, I'm, I'm going to put them on my website too. What it is, it's, it's a band that's going to be at a higher price point, but it's going to be more similar to crossover symmetry. I think crossover Symmetry's baseball set is 120 bucks. Mine will be 90. And what's cool about it is, um, it has all the um, looks very similar. Um, it's going to have six total bands, three of each strength. Make the X or whatever, and uh, the bands weights are 10 pounds, 20 pounds, 40 pounds. But you can attach all of those at one time, or just one at a time to the handle. So you could use anywhere from 10 to 70 pounds. So I've already got a ton of football strength coaches wanting to put them in the weight room for, um, to, it's almost like a cable machine because the weights go so high, but then they go so light they can have their softball pitcher in there doing arm care with it as well. Um, so that's something I'm excited about and for the people who love wrist strap bands, it also has a wrist strap on it. So you could easily, you could use the, marv handles or the wrist straps
0: and uh be good to go from that aspect so i'm really excited about that one sweet well i'll tell you what i'll be i'll be looking uh to dig sporting goods for for all these awesome products and we'll make sure to implement them myself um when i'm working with hitters too so we appreciate you coming on man it's been a lot of fun i'm I'm happy to see you uh doing well in in coaching and uh, in your business too um, I, I you love the sh- uh, stories that you shared it uh, again. I can't get over the the 65 followers of being, ended up being the vice president of, of Dick's. That's, that's incredible, but, um, I, I'm glad you're doing well. And if there's anything, you know, we can do or help in, in any way, like, please, please reach out. But, um, I appreciate you coming on Caleb. No, I really appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. Yep.